Well, this morning we're going to look at a um, very traditional telling of the Christmas story found in Luke chapter 2. Um, there's not a lot of opportunity for creativity when it comes to Christmas because, you know, Matthew 1 or Luke 2 is probably going to be where you find yourself. But I've, uh, I've titled this sermon, A Most Unusual Christmas. A Most Unusual Christmas. And here's, here's why. When you say the word Christmas, there's certain concepts that immediately pop to mind. Here's, here's a concept I've heard people talk about that I'm longing to experience. I have never in my 45 years of life ever had fruitcake, and I feel like I'm missing out on something. I'm not. I still want it because I hear people talk about it. There are expectations related to Christmas. Um, now, in case I need to say this, <clears throat> some of you uh, automatically, by default, you know this. You know how to live righteously and godly in all things. You should not decorate for Christmas before Thanksgiving. You should let Thanksgiving be its own holiday before you start doing your decorations. It's just, it's kind of funny, the expectations, because you maybe grew up in a family that like the minute a leaf starts falling off the tree, you start putting the lights out and the nativity set. Um, It's kind of like whatever that rule is, there's something about not wearing something after Labor Day. Is it seersucker or don't wear... um, so don't wear white after Labor Day. You, you probably could, you just probably shouldn't. You know, so don't, don't decorate for Christmas before Thanksgiving. Let that holiday kind of have its, have its own little you know, kind of day in the sunshine. But we all have this concept of what, what, a, what a perfect Christmas looks like. And uh, the thing that's fun about Christmas, Christmas is a, Christmas is a neat holiday because it's a, it's a multi-sensory cornucopia. There are things to see and to hear and to taste. So uh, an expectation for Christmas might be, I, I think that's a pretty popular one, uh, that you're going to have a Christmas tree, okay? Do you have a Christmas tree in your house? You've been up for a while? Yeah. Listen, even, I know people who are not going to be home at all for like two weeks over Christmas. They still get a Christmas tree to <laughs> occupy their home while they're traveling to visit family. It's just, it's, it's funny how we work with these expectations. And then, of course, you know, uh, even people who can't keep plants alive normally uh, sometimes have a big ritual where they drive up into the mountains two or three hours away to cut down a tree that they try to keep alive for a couple of weeks. Uh, and then it's not just, you know, kind of a bare naked tree that you have in your house. What do you do with the tree? You have decorations. I mean, there are lights, maybe too much tinsel because you, you ruin your vacuum cleaner, you know, over the next three, three weeks. Maybe you even have homemade decorations. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff about it. Um, Maybe your neighbors think you're just a slight bit obnoxious because of your Christmas light display or your, you know, Snoopy nativity set. Um, There are all kinds of things to see at Christmas, and they become expectations. There are things to hear. If you uh, pick whatever band you're a fan of, let's just say you're a Beatles fan, I don't think you could find Beatles music on any radio station because at this time of the year, what are you going to hear on almost every radio station? Exclusively Christmas music. And so uh, you're going to hear all kinds of things. And believe it or not, Christmas music is such a big deal that uh, someone as um, uh, superlative as Snoop Dogg even has a Christmas album. I don't recommend that you listen to it, uh, but when we talk about Christmas being a multi-sensory experience... There are all kinds of things to hear. And then, um, perhaps my favorite, is there are all kinds of things to taste at Christmas time, right? Uh, like I said, the aforementioned, uh, probably don't need to try it, fruit cake. Um, is gingerbread popular at any other time of the year? I mean, I don't think that there's anything that prohibits you from 
you know, doing something gingerbready. Um, but Christmas kind of seems to be the gingerbread time of the year. Um, cinnamon, you can have cinnamon throughout the year, but boy, it's, it's, it's on with cinnamon at Christmas time. Uh, you do all kinds of things. Peppermint, yes, you can get peppermint all the time, you know, other times of the year, but Christmas seems to be the time to, for that, that minty kind of taste to be there. And of course, my, my personal favorite, um, and this is going to divide the crowd here, my personal taste of Christmas is eggnog. You can't get it any other time. I don't know why they don't have it year-round. If it's good at Christmas, it would be, it'll be good in March, you know, it'll be good in G- June. Uh, keep it going. So here's, here's the thing that's crazy. We can run through all of these things about Christmas that make Christmas special, and yet here's, here is the thing that is crazy. All of those things that go into our celebration of Christmas are circumstances. They don't have anything to do with the actual meaning of Christmas, right? All right, track, track with me. Can you have a meaningful Christmas without a Christmas tree? Absolutely. Can you have a meaningful Christmas without eggnog? That's a little tougher for me personally. But yes, you, um, none of these things, they're all circumstances. They don't have anything actual to do with the meaning of Christmas. How in the world can I say something that audacious? Well, think about this. None, not one, was present on that holy and silent night that we talk about. No eggnog for Jesus. Joseph, I know it's been a long, 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 uh, long night. You need to put some lights up in that cave, in that stable that you're in. There's none of that. All of these trappings. No. So hear me clearly. This is not a diatribe against Christmas traditions. Enjoy them. Have fun. Like, get your honorary electrical engineering degree putting your lights up. There, there is nothing wrong with joining in with the culture. We just can't allow those things to become the meaning of Christmas because they don't have anything to do with the meaning of of Christmas. Here's what's sad. For many people, we are more concerned with the circumstances of Christmas than we are with the meaning of Christmas. So let me give you um, two, two things that the world says makes Christmas perfect. And listen, if these things work out for you, that's great. But if not, it doesn't mean that you can't have a meaningful Christmas. Share a couple of observations talk about it from a a biblical perspective, and we're going to start off with um, the traditional Christmas story, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Here's what God's Word says. In those days, a decree, an order, went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. There was a census. So this was the first registration during which Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone, all went to be registered each to his own town, hometown. For Joseph, that meant he went up from Galilee, the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he, Joseph, was of the house and lineage of David. In order to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was not just with child, great with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. One of the things that we are told is that it is people, friends and family, people who make Christmas special. No, that's not an untrue statement. 
But let's think about this a little bit from Mary and Joseph's perspective. First, Christmas is undoubtedly a time for family, right? Anybody have, don't say it, but does anybody have any kind of like family traditions around the holiday time? You might have Bible stories that you read. We have uh, this goofy thing that we do called adventures, you know, where we, we try to do something fun as a family leading up to, leading up to Christmas. Uh, a new thing that I hope becomes a tradition, we all got, uh, not, not matching, the girls got some and the boys got some, kind of got matching Christmas PJs. And man, I have not had PJs since I was about this big. They are soft and they are warm. They're awesome. So like if I'm at home for more than five minutes, I got my Christmas PJs on because that's just my jam right now. I love it. So maybe this becomes a tradition, you know. Um, it's a thing. And so family is, uh, Christmas is undoubtedly a special time for family. There are special traditions. Um, family is not just important to us. Family is important to God. You, you think about this, God, the whole idea of family is something that's not a social construct. It's something from the very earliest pages of Scripture that God said was His idea. And, and even early on in the Scriptures, God says that His plan, His plan for the world is to bless the entire world through Abraham's family. Through His, what we know now to not be His physical lineage, His spiritual lineage, the entire world would be blessed through His Family. Later, we're told uh, in prophecy that uh, while David was a glorious king, he didn't do everything that people thought he was going to do. But David's greater son, who would be Jesus, descended from David's lineage, would be the leader to descend uh, from David's lineage. So, here, what's cool that is happening is God is using something secular. Believe it or not, something secular. Caesar Augustus wanting to do a census. He is using something secular to move Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem to get them where they need to be at just the right time. Like, it is not convenient to have a kid away from your hometown. And yet, God is orchestrating things to happen. And so, this is, what we're reading here, a fulfillment of prophecy. So, if this is part of God's plan, that obviously means... Everything's going to turn out just peachy, right? Well, think about this. Why is Joseph going to Bethlehem? When there's a vote, when there's the opportunity to cast a ballot, you should know what your polling place is. And I'm trying to remember what mine is. (laughs) You should know what your polling place is. Um, You have an elementary school, a middle school, um, a VFW post, you have some place that you go to cast your vote. Well, that's the same thing that happened here. And the place where you're supposed to go is to your ancestral home. So Joseph is going to Bethlehem because he, the Bible says specifically, he is from the house in the lineage of David. So he is going, as an adult, he's been living away, but it's kind of like going home at Christmas. You're going home to your home turf. You may not have lived there in a while, but you're, you're going to the place where you graduated high school, where people kind of knew you, where you had your first job. He's going to his home turf. But get this, if people are what makes Christmas special, if family is what makes, people, makes Christmas special, Joseph and Mary are not invited to stay with family, and yet everyone knew that they were coming. Because Caesar had issued a decree and everyone was traveling to the place that they're from. Here's the thing that's funny. 
is the innkeeper, who is never mentioned in Scripture, gets a bad rap. You know who doesn't get a bad rap? Joseph's family. Family, family makes Christmas special. Well, there's not a whole lot that's special for Joseph. So why did this happen? I think there's a couple things. The Bible doesn't say, so i got to get away from my Bible. Now I'm just talking. Maybe Joseph was the youngest in his family, so he was perpetually kind of stuck at the kids' table, so to speak. You know, the oldest brother, um, he gets to stay with, you know, the family, but the youngest is, you know, just at the kids' table, just find a place to stay. Uh, here's, here's something else that I think is probably pretty, pretty legit. Uh, and again, the Bible doesn't say this. Um, Mary's pregnant, and they're not married. Awkward. How are you going to explain? Well, all right, so here's the story for the hundredth time. There was an angel. Oh, okay, Joseph. Yeah, got that. Um, here's another thing. This is a little crass, but I think it's true. I have never been pregnant, but I, I've been there for several of them. And um, I've journeyed along. And so it's a 90-mile journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and they walked, okay? And, and Mary is nine months pregnant. Just a quick question out of curiosity, men. Have you ever traveled with a pregnant woman? Their bladder is about the size of a, a pea. And so maybe they didn't get a room because they're the last ones in town because they had to stop every five miles for Mary to use the facilities on the side of the road. I mean, listen, maybe, maybe, maybe Joseph had a broken relationship with an older brother. And you know what? We can't stay under the same roof. I don't know what the circumstances are, but get off giving the innkeeper a hard time and start to realize that family that makes Christmas special, that's just not true for everyone. Now, we want family to be special. Um, and the Bible says a lot about the family. This is not, again, we're not against family. Because in God's economy, there's a lot of instruction. The Bible says, husbands, you are to cling to your wives and to love her like Christ loved the church. Wives, you are to submit to the Christ-like leadership of your husband. Uh, children, you are to honor your parents. Parents, you are not to provoke or exasperate your children. The Bible has a lot to say about families. But we need to say this clearly. While family is undoubtedly special, they are not and cannot be ultimate. Family is supposed to be special, but they are not supposed to occupy the place that God is supposed to occupy. You know why? Because your family, grandma, believe it or not, is made up of sinners like you and me. They're going to let you down. There are going to be things that happen that are outside of your control. And so for some of you, Christmas is already stressing you out because of family. We're going to have crazy Aunt Lucy at the house. Hide the valuables. You know, don't leave any money out. Uh, for me, it's my crazy cousin Greg. I don't know, we won't come to our house. Who's going to come? This person and this person haven't spoken to each other for five years. They're both coming to our house. What's going to happen? Is everybody going to behave? What in the world are we going to talk about? We got nothing in common. You know, he's this, I'm that. He's a Democrat, I'm a Republican, he doesn't go to church. I go to church, this is going to be so weird. Maybe you're a frazzled mom that doesn't think Christmas is all that special when you've got to do all the cooking and cleaning. Heads up, families, help. Spread the wealth. 
Um, maybe you've lost someone. And this will be the first Christmas that there's an empty seat at the table. Family is special. But they're not ultimate when it comes to our celebration of Christmas. Let me say this clearly. You do not need a perfect family to have a meaningful Christmas. Because if that is the requirement, then congratulations, you will never have a meaningful Christmas. Because you will never have a perfect family. This world is broken. And oh, by the way, whatever's going on with Mary and Joseph not staying with family shows that Jesus doesn't have a perfect family too. We're told something else, that it's not just people that make Christmas special. We're told that it's perfect predicaments. The circumstances have got to be just right to make Christmas special. And I don't know what it is. It, it, it seems like this holiday, more than others, encourages people to channel their inner Martha Stewart or their Rachel Ray or to get the proverbial honorary degree in um, electrical engineering. You, know, you, you, want, you want planes attempting to land in your backyard because your light display is so complex. You know? um, your neighbors think you're more annoying because now you've tripled the brightness but got LED lights. So now they're cheaper for me and brighter for everyone. Oh my goodness, just ask your neighbors what they think, okay, before you do that. Maybe you're not obsessed with perfection because the minute you get your house perfect, guess what happens? How long does that last? Perfect house. About three seconds because the dust continues to settle. If you have kids, um, your house is dirty almost immediately. Your house gets dirty while they're actually cleaning. Imagine that. Like, how does that happen? Um, it's crazy. So you may not be uh, obsessed with exquisite perfection, but if you have guests coming over, you do want your home in good order, don't you? You want the dirty laundry hidden behind the, 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 the wall. You want the dust bunnies at least to be way deep under the bed. You know, you want, you, you want it to at least have the perception of perfection. But here's the question. Are there ever any perfect circumstances? Not in my house. No, there's a lot of love, a lot of forgiveness, a lot of grace, a lot of noise, never perfection. The truth is life doesn't quite come at you how you expect, right? That's part of it. Think about this from Mary and Joseph's perspective. Two, two ways in which I think their first Christmas was not the ideal predicament. Number one, got to blame the government. The government done messed up Christmas. Why in the world would they schedule a census right at Christmas? Now, I say that a little tongue-in-cheek. There was no Christmas. Uh, Jesus is being born. But the idea is this whole thing, like, when is a convenient time for a nine-month-old lady to walk 90 miles? Never. Seriously, that's a, a four- or five-day journey. That is an extreme hardship. And so because Caesar Augustus just said, how big is my kingdom? <laughs> All you little people, travel and let me rearrange your life for the next month uh, while you're not working and making money. And good golly, all right, we, yes, sir, going to do it. Um, not the perfect circumstance. And then here, here's the deal. There's a no-vacancy sign. And it says in singularly, so maybe there's only one. Bethlehem's not a big town. Maybe there's one in, which 
would not be the best place to deliver a kid to. You might have a roof over your head, but you have a lady of the night right next door who's renting the room by the hour. So happen and ends, not the most, um, it's not La Quinta. It's something different. And so they, they have this inglorious circumstance where they're forced to deliver a baby in what is most likely a cave. Um, we don't see words saying specifically um, stable or cave, but we know that Jesus was laid in a manger, a feeding trough. And so there's no animals that are listed. We know there, w- there were no camels there. It could have been, use our imagination, some cows, some sheep, some goats, maybe some chickens. <clears throat> don't you think it would be embarrassing as a first-time parent? Like, you should, <clears throat> you might not know everything you're supposed to do as a new parent, but like having your kid roll around in the mud as a newborn would definitely seem to be common sense. And here's the thing that's crazy. If you've ever traveled overseas, and, and Dan can corroborate this, serving in India for two years, you go to India and you go into these rural areas, and Ryan would know this too. You go into these rural areas, and um, their house is made out of dirt, mud, and manure. So, you know, packed tight, almost like concrete, and you're like, all right, why doesn't it stink? You know, it just doesn't. You know, it, it smells outdoorsy. And so they, in the rural areas, they've built a compound. So there's a, a courtyard that is mud, dirt, manure. <clears throat> and yet, while we think dirty, it's spotless. Because they take whatever it is, bulrushes, some kind of whisk broom that they make out of branches, and they, they sweep, they, they, there's no dirt. There's a dirt floor, but there's no dirt. There's no leaves. There's no twigs. There's nothing. It's not, it's not clean from our standard. Like, you know, you say, hey, you could eat off the floor. Wouldn't recommend that in India. But they, they have taken what we would consider to be inglorious circumstances that are just everyday circumstances for, for them, and they have made it as clean as they possibly could be because they're proud of what they have. So I, I could imagine, I mean, listen, childbearing is a pretty helpless exercise for dads. So, you know, Joseph's already been a a failure in his mind. I don't have a place for us to stay. We're stuck in this stable. I can imagine him over there, you know, digging around the stable for a a broom and just sweeping it up because this is where his kid is going to be born. I don't want it to look like a barn, even though it is a barn. And he's trying whatever he can (laughs) without the aid of any medical help to, to dignify this room where his son that he's been entrusted with is about to be born. The son's born. We don't know that there are any complications. The story covers it with great rapidity. Uh, Time came, she had the baby, they wrapped him up in swaddling clothes, period. Um, But there's this kind of sacred and special moment. Mom, dad, firstborn. And in the sweetness and stillness of that moment, trying to make the best of a messed up circumstance, they find out that they have no privacy because a bunch of uninvited guests come walking in. That's a pretty messed up situation. How would you like it if Cousin Eddie showed up on your doorstep at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning with a you know, trailer full of people? Hey, we were just driving by. I figured we'd stop in for the day. Oh, great. Thanks for the warning. Uh, that would be enough for some of you to ruin Christmas right there, going back to people. So here, here's the deal. To, to understand kind of what's going on here with these uninvited guests and these in, 
imperfect circumstances and this complete and total lack of privacy. Here's the truth. If your family and your circumstances are not perfect, number one, I've already said this, so neither was Jesus's. Not the perfect circumstances, not the perfect family. Number two, if life is not working out exactly how you expected it to, welcome to adulting. Now, I want to say that with a little boom. But like, do you really think life, like you're in charge? And everything that happens in life is supposed to happen right when you want it to happen. Exactly on your schedule. There is, and I don't mean this in any kind of way to betray the goodness, the greatness, the benevolence of God, but life is hard. And you know why it's hard? Because of sin. It's all around us. And so, listen, there are no perfect families, and there are no perfect circumstances. And to understand why their circumstance, Mary and Joseph's, was so messed up, we have to understand why the shepherds interrupted their special moment. And the Bible says that they interrupted that moment because they were instructed to. Because this is the painful truth that we learn at Christmas. People in predicaments will not always live up to your expectations. But when you do the hard work of prioritizing worship, God always has a way of setting things right. No, He does it. But He changes something in our outlook. He changes our perspective. He changes our character. He changes our Hearts and things are different than they were. So listen to how it's described in verses 8 through 14. In that same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day... In the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. I love the way that this is described. The shepherds are going about their normal night watch. And then it says, not only did Mary and Joseph have unexpected and uninvited guests, the shepherds did too. It said, suddenly, an angel appeared. That word suddenly is a uh, military term that is used for surprise attack. Like, you ever scare someone incidentally? That's not what this was. This was on purpose. You know, this is, you know, the jump scare. And uh, that's why the angel has to say, well, bro, fear not. (laughs) It's okay. I'm not here to harm you. I'm actually here to tell you good news of great joy. The angels are ready to worship, and we can listen to it. They, they, they revel in the task of proclaiming this good news of great joy. What is it? That there's a Savior. That it's Christ, the Lord. And then suddenly there's a choir that revels in the glory of God. They say, glory to God in the highest They can't think of anything that God has done that deserves higher praise than what He is doing right now in this moment in the birth of the child. This is the thing, choir, to sing your guts out about. There is nothing higher to praise God. Creation, well done. Golf clap. Incarnation, wow. 
mind blown. We finally see how you're going to redeem. You're invading humanity with a baby? They revel in the glory of God. They say this is God's highest glory because not only is it the the most exquisite work that God can do, it brings peace and it brings joy to His people. So this Advent, this, this coming of Christ, brings greatest glory to God and great joy and peace to people. But it's not only the angels who worship. Though, stop here for a second. If the angels are worshiping, that should be a clue to you that if they're higher spiritual beings in constant fellowship with the Father, if they're worshiping, that should be a clue that you probably should too. It should give us a pause and go, if the angels think that this is great, good, awesome, joy, peace, why don't I? It's almost too much to take in. And so the story continues, verses 16 through 20. It says, after the angels appear to the shepherds, verse 16, they went with haste, they hurried, they hauled it, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They probably went house to house, stable to stable, barn to barn. It's not like they pulled out their GPS and went, oh, there it is, you know, 323 Bethlehem Lane. How convenient. Should have just looked for, you know, the Christmas lights. Um, They went with haste and they searched and they found. Verse 17, and when they, they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them by who? The angels concerning the child and all who heard it. So evidently, they didn't just tell Mary and Joseph. They're going house to house saying, hey, where's the kid? 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 People are thinking, do we need to put out an Amber Alert? No, 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 no. He's not lost. We're just trying to find him. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. Verse 19, but Mary treasured of all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned back to their fields, back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. We've seen the angels worship. We've seen the shepherds worship. How do the shepherds worship? Oh, they're a loud, rowdy bunch. They, they, they worship with action. You said, go to Bethlehem? Yes, sir. Reporting for duty. Let's find that baby. And they worship not just by action, but by announcing. Hey, you want to know why we're looking for the kid? Let me tell you. You want to know why we're looking for the kid? Let me tell you. Uh, angels showed up. It was crazy. It was, thought we were under attack. Mary, however, worships in a very different way. Mary's at the center of all the hustle and bustle. Remember, no privacy. No privacy. Special moment. Shepherds come busting in. And maybe even by this time, maybe the nativity scene was even a little bit more crowded. We don't know. And I'm not, not trying to change anything the Bible says. But don't you think there'd be the possibility that one of the neighbors would join this band of shepherds running all over town to go see what in the world is going on? What do you do when, there's, when, when you hear sirens outside your house? I know what you do. You peek out the window. You go look. You know, you listen to the scanner. You nosy people. They had nosy people in Bethlehem too. There might have been more that just don't ever get included in the nativity. The, the wise men make it. Not really. But the townspeople don't. But it says that they all wondered. Mary, on the other hand, in the midst of all of this hustle and bustle, worships by quiet reflection. The person who is most responsible for kind of what is the human person who is most responsible for what is going on doesn't even fully have a clue of what exactly God is doing. Knows more than most. It says that she treasures these things and ponders them in her heart. Have an intricate Christmas. 
hang up all the lights that you want. Put, put tinsel in places that tinsel has never been before. Like, have fun with it. Get your interior design guru on. Get that electrical engineering degree. But realize this, that despite the intricacies of your Christmas celebration, it cannot be good without God at the center. It's just mere circumstances. If when you get up on Wednesday morning to see, you know, (laughs) that Lexus with the bow on it in the driveway... Whatever it is, Christmas, to remember, whatever materialistic thing, if you get up to celebrate Christmas on Wednesday and your Christmas celebration happens without worship, I hate to have to tell you this, but you have broke Christmas. You broke it! Find the receipt, take it back, because it's not what it is supposed to be. And so here's, here's the challenge. You may not have a whole crew like the shepherds did, to get rowdy and loud and celebrate loud with you. If you do, have at it. Maybe you've gotten kicked in the teeth a little bit this year, and you know and the jaw is still a little sore. Maybe it's not your jaw that's sore, it's just your heart that's sore. Mary worships with a quiet dignity that doesn't look rowdy or rambunctious. It's a little more reflective. Both are worship. Both honor God. That's fine too. It just looks different. The truth is people will forget most of the gifts that they get this year. Do you remember all the gifts you got last year? Maybe if you only got one. Oh, listen, if you pass five digits, you know, of gifts, you got more than five, you probably can't name them all. Certainly with your kids, there's going to be one toy that rises to the crop and all the rest, you know, go to that forsaken, you know, under the, under the bed box where... Toys are never played for again until you have to sell them in a garage sale when they turn 19. You'll forget most of the gifts that you receive. And you're probably hoping that they'll forget the ugly sweater that you wore last Christmas. That's a good thing. But they cannot forget this, that Jesus came. God took on flesh. God, second person of the Trinity, was born. He lived a sinless life. And not simply so he could look down his nose at everyone else that didn't achieve what he achieved. No, no, he lived a sinless life for the purpose of dying as a substitute in our place. And then just to prove that the Father accepted his sacrifice, to put his seal of approval on it, the Father causes the Son to be resurrected, to be given authority, to offer a gift called eternal life to everyone who would turn from themselves trust in Christ. We can't forget this. Because everything else that is not that is circumstance. This is the meaning of Christmas. And it might mean that your Christmas looks a little unusual this year too. Because your family and your circumstances are not everything that you hope them to be. But if you have the child, you have something that is really something. Would you pray with me, please? Father, you tell us to sanctify in our hearts that you are Lord. And I pray over this holiday that we have the opportunity to do that. That it's not just a tradition of hanging things on our house or on our tree. That it's not just an annual exercise and weight gain as we consume all kinds of different things. That it's not just a time of... um, 
learning how to live on a budget again is we get the sticker shock from all the things that we've bought for friends and for family. Um, help us to cut through the fog to understand that Christmas is about Christ, that you have given a gift and that we're not just supposed to give gifts at this time of the year. We're supposed to use that gift as an opportunity to give gifts to people all year round uh, through our service and our love, uh, through our work as part of your church, our calling as individual Christians. Father, help us not to make Christmas something that it was never intended to be. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.